Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another preseason edition of The Deciding Point, where we typically break down our top 10 Division I men and women's teams heading into the 2024 season. But we have some news to discuss. As we have turned the page to the new year, we have some information that we know all of you college tennis fans are thinking about, perhaps a Above all else, we had the unveiling of the official ITA preseason top 25 men's and women's teams. And if you think we don't have thoughts on those lists here at Cracked Rackets, well, then you just haven't been on this journey with us these past five years. Of course, we also have some late roster news to give all of you listeners. And perhaps above all else, some fantastic news with the announcement today of ESPN NCAA expanding their coverage of NCAA championships. I should have said ESPN expanding their coverage of NCAA championships. That's probably a little bit cleaner English. The point is college tennis is going to be put on a bigger platform as a byproduct of that deal. And obviously, we've got some thoughts on that announcement. And joining me to discuss it all is a man who joins me on just about every deciding point we have had over the past six months, a man who is my co-host throughout the course of the regular season and in breaking down our Division I women's top 10 teams. Of course, you all know him as the returning champion of returning champions here at Crack Rackets, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast, and our dearest friend, John J. Parsons, joining us once again. Jay, hey, great shot. A quick news update must mean we're close to the start of the season. How are you feeling today, my friend? It really does. When those rankings came out, it felt very real. And they always come out at this point of the year. But I just hadn't gotten around to thinking about that, I guess. And so those really hit me when I was looking at those. So things feel very real. News is coming out. I mean, you know, we have enough news when we're not just putting it in an early tangent for one of these shows. So there's a lot to talk about. Kickoff weekend's three weeks away. I mean, we are going to have serious college tennis on our hands very shortly. I know we're going to have some matches here in the month of January at Crack Rackets. Hopefully a big kickoff weekend broadcast. And then we'll talk about our plans for ESPN-related college tennis content. That's what we call a tease in this business, folks, as we get there. But you're absolutely right. It just feels that much more real when you see top 25 rankings unveiled. And obviously, we don't have matches to play off of. So this is a coaches poll. I believe it's 13 coaches vote for these men's and women's top 25 teams. And let's start on the ITA women's side of things, Jay, because certainly I think it will come as no shock for listeners to learn your preseason number one on the women's side, the UNC Tar Heels, who are the reigning NCAA champions. They've won the national indoors every time I've called it, so every year since 2020. They brought back all of their starters. They also added a blue-chip recruit in Rapman. And again, who does this announcement or what does this surprise? No one. They should be your preseason number one. They've earned that benefit of the doubt given what they have coming back. Well, it was interesting here to see them, the unanimous number one. I mean, looking back last year, it was almost 
dead even split between North Carolina and Texas. So clearly all of the coaches agreed. North Carolina, a unanimous number one selection here. And maybe even more impressive than that unanimous selection, Jay, is the fact that we got all top 10 teams correctly. Let's give ourselves a pat on the back now. Our order, slightly different than what the coaches had. We swapped AM, who they have at two. We have at four. We have Stanford at two. They have AM at four. We also swapped Michigan and Oklahoma State. Michigan's at five. We had them six. Oklahoma State, obviously, vice versa. Again, a little bit of playing in the order seven through 10, but the same teams, Texas, Pepperdine, NC State, Florida, that Pepperdine selection feels particularly better coming off of the announcement today. Lee Cesar will be back for her final season in Malibu. That's the big roster announcement we wanted to give all of you on this podcast, Jay. But I mean, again, top 10-wise, how can I say I disagree? Like, it's our same 10 teams. I, I feel you, coaches. Yeah, I mean, did they get it right or did we get it right? Or did they copy our homework? I mean, <laughs> ours came out first, just saying. But, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the one I was most intrigued to see was Oklahoma State for the coaches poll listed at, at six. By and large, these coaches do not – reward you without putting the work in on the court it's relatively rare to see really big jumps in these rankings typically you'll see teams get punished for losing a ton of players graduating players and then other teams will move up uh, above them but for oklahoma state to jump from 19 to 6 jump 13 spots clearly there's a lot of recognition around what they have cooking in stillwater this year and i know that there's a lot of they were the big 12 preseason number one as well so i think coaches are acknowledging that there's a lot a lot of intrigue in what they can do this year in Stillwater. And their two most prominent transfers, of course, Anastasia Komar, Obi Kajuru, have been top 10 players this fall. So the big reason behind that, and you can go hear our podcast. A credit to you, Jay, who pointed out the biggest movers from the 2023 final rankings, Oklahoma State jumping 13 spots. They're actually tied with two other teams, and that gets into the rest of this top 25. You have a Cal team also up 13 spots. They're preseason 19, and Again, Wiersholm, Alsola, Villar, Moeller, uh, they all had pretty solid falls to build around for the rest of that group. Vanderbilt up 13 spots. They bring in a top recruit, and CB Moore obviously had herself a heck of a fall. Bridget Stamel back. That's an interesting team. Those three teams all up 13 spots. Auburn's up six. They're at number 11. Florida again up five spots. They sneak in at number 10. On the other side of the equation, Jay, uh, furthest drops from the final rankings. You have NC State dropping five spots to number nine. You know, again, they lost Schneider. They lost Smith. Maybe that's a hair low compared to our rankings, but they are still a top 10 preseason team. You have a Miami squad down five spots. Ohio State down four. Still at 14, though. Again, in the Big Ten's quest to sustain two top 16 schools. Duke down four spots to 15. Tennessee down four spots to 18. Wisconsin sneaks in at 23, USC 22, Washington 24, Arizona State 25, some Pac-12 love down the home stretch there. Jay, your reaction to the rest of these uh, top 25 women's rankings? I mean, very little volatility from what you see in the final 2023 rankings. The median movement here for the top 25 was goose egg zero. <laughs> so like the medium, there was not a lot of movement here. The average was 1.3. So by and large, teams really only moved 
zero to three spots. And that's because maybe you have one or two big movers. But uh, overall, I think this is the right top 10. It makes me feel good that we nailed it. So, yeah. And I think there's a lot of teams here that we haven't talked about 11 through 25 that are going to be very intriguing teams this year. It's going to be a very fun season on the women's I'm going to give you my three biggest question marks, 11 through 25, that we haven't discussed yet. Duke at 15. You lose Chloe Beck. Obviously, that just at the top of your lineup, regardless of what else is coming back, is something any team is going to have to overcome. We haven't talked about them. They do still have some pieces. They do still have some serious talent, Jay. Uh, Again, at 15, they're fascinating. The team who beat them in NCAAs last year, UCLA at 16. I'm fascinated to see what that lineup looks like to start the season. And then probably third on my list I kind of like Georgia Tech at 20. Like, that might be a hair low for them. I kind of like that core they have coming back. Lee, Bilchev, others. I'm putting a flyer in that Georgia Tech team. Again, there's some... The ACC isn't last year's ACC. It's still really good. Obviously, you look at the top 20 teams alone. Georgia Tech, uh, Virginia, NC State, North Carolina, Duke. You still have five top 20 teams. Could Georgia Tech make a push to be the second best if everything clicks this year? Again, that's a big ask, but I think that would be the goal. That would be the aspiration for that group. I mean, not if Carol Lee keeps playing the way she did in the fall. <laughs> so not she, she needs to be a top 10 player for them to be able to make that push. And we haven't seen that uh, in the last few months. Thus, big question mark. Big question mark. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they're kind of always in this like 16 through 22 tier, right? Uh, looking to make that push. But yeah, I think Cal is, I think there's a reason that they were moved up 13 spots. I think they're going to be significantly better this season. They have a few freshmen who are uh, pretty strong, notably Mal Mushika, who is a freshman who came in and has made some deep runs on the ITF circuit. So I that that t- the the trio that I always go back down to is Auburn, Oklahoma, and Vanderbilt. I think one of them is going to be a top eight team, and I don't know who it's going to be. It's a fair question to ask, and you know, again, I like these twenty five teams. I don't think I have questions about the ones they included. You know, again, maybe you want to gripe with who twenty five is. I think that's fascinating. I will say, by the way, we kind of glossed over it, but Czar coming back now that top four of Chen, of Czar, of Brodus. Or top five, excuse me, Campana, Redelic. Like, you know your five players now and now. A little less pressure on your two freshmen. Still just a seven-player roster, but that's a big freaking deal for Pepperdine and certainly gets them back in that top eight conversation. Huge. I feel like when we went and did these rankings, when we were looking at this, I was like, I think Pepperdine is too high. This was before Lisa's our inclusion. It was like, ooh, there's a lot of holes here. Her coming back, they basically run back last season without Banyawi, who was absolutely their weakest point. You, I think we've seen both Redlick and Anna Campania continue to make good strides. I think Anna Campania is playing a lot better than her record last season, so that's improvement. And to your point, now you just need one of those two freshmen to click. Likely going to be Conway there at five or six, and now you feel a lot better. Now this is a like very experienced group who, yeah, you kind of have all these known pieces about. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, again, to see who that freshman is at six, what that spot looks like, because, again, if they can play 
better than 500 ball there. That Pepperdine team really starts to round into form. Anyways, that's your ITA women's top 25. And again, if you want to hear our top 10 and our thoughts on all of those teams, all you got to do is scroll down on your Great Shot podcast feed, folks. You can hear teams 10 through 2 as of today. Obviously, you now know our preseason number one, also UNC. So it's unanimous across the board, folks. Uh, that is your preseason number one, and that is your ITA women's top 25. On the men's side, Jay, Maybe most fascinating just because of the players they added in the offseason is the fact that Texas is not one or two, but at number three. Um, That said, you know, again, they went reigning NCAA champion who brings back five of six starters, one in Virginia. They went reigning NCAA finalist who brings back five of six starters, Ohio State at two. Texas at three, TCU four. Those were your two semifinalists last year. Pretty chalk there. And for what it's worth, those are our top four teams, albeit not in that order. South Carolina five, Tennessee six, USC seven, Duke eight, Stanford nine, and they went with Harvard at 10. Now, obviously, where does that differ from our rankings? We had Stanford all the way up at five. A lot of freshmen added to the mix there. Kang, Rivera, Godzik. Is Ferry coming back or not? Will we see him at all? Still an open question. You know, again, Duke, the reigning ACC uh, tournament finalists and a team that brings back a lot of starters. They The coaches see that roster. They have them a little bit higher than perhaps we might have had them. They go Harvard as the top 10 team instead of Columbia, who's at 12. I don't hate this top 10, Jay. It, it, they got, it feels pretty accurate. Well, it's basically the 2023 final rankings with teams removed. I mean, yeah, you talk about that top four. I mean, that's how they finish, right? They finish in that exact order. So they made no movement uh, from that. And then you talk about South Carolina, Tennessee, Southern California, Duke. They all move up three spots. That's because Kentucky, Georgia, Michigan all drop pretty significantly. So there's not a lot of like calculus that goes into these rankings uh they pretty much move up but because of that yeah i don't think you feel too bad about these rankings because you feel like they only really punish at least in like the top 10 the teams that you think might be making big step back right like a georgia who lost five of their starting six so yeah yeah, i think overall these make a lot of sense. Yeah, you mentioned it again. Check the tweets at J Tweets Tennis. Georgia, the biggest drop. They drop 11 spots. You can find them right now at number 18. And honestly, that might be a little bit generous just given all the unknowns in their lineup. Florida State down 10 spots. Again, they're at 20 now. Some unknowns in that lineup as well. Michigan, you lose Styler, Maloney, Fenty. They're down eight spots to 14. Kentucky, losing Draxel, losing Ianni. They're down six spots to number 11. But again, that speaks to the freshman class they bring in that they have only fallen to 11. Your other biggest risers, and here's the big news. Michigan State, unranked. They are now at number 24. First time preseason top 25 ranking. For the Spartans speaks to what Harry has done. And again, we need to see Marita, certainly, but that might be a little bit low for Michigan State. You feel like they are a team certainly with top 16 upside, if not better moving forward this season. Unranked to number 24. Baylor's up 22 spots to number 25. They've got a couple of players getting eligible and some freshmen I know they are very excited about down in Waco. 
Oklahoma up nine spots to 22. NC State up nine spots to 21. Stanford again up nine spots. They're at number nine. Wake Forest up six spots. They're at 15. Obviously, the big boy ton question hanging over them. Jay, 17 Mississippi State feels a little bit low given the core that they are bringing back. And yet... I think this speaks to the depth on the men's side this year. It's a really good 20-deep group, and that 5 through 20 range is so fascinating. You could throw darts at a dartboard, and really anyone could go anywhere. Yeah, that part is very open. I mean, I was I was not surprised to see Michigan State. I was much more surprised to see Baylor because Michigan State has made big strides over the past six months in terms of the recruiting class, the national championship and doubles at Fall Nats from Ozon Barris and Max Sheldon. So they have done some stuff on the court, although the coronation of Michigan State feels a little premature. I Harry Jaden's talking a big game right now for a team that went like three and six in the big uh, 10 last year. So that I wasn't surprised, though, because of the talent they have on that roster. It's very rare to take a team that went f- finished 47 in the country in Baylor and moved them up 22 spots. Like they don't do that often. And I not really sure exactly like what would indicate that is Baylor going to be a top 25 team. Like maybe, but sure. But to move them that much is pretty surprising to me. I think it has a lot to do with, again, what do they bring back? They bring back Paralek. They bring back Veltz. They bring back, uh, or they bring in, excuse me, an Oscar Polson who's, two years of serious experience at Middle Tennessee. Koenig, solid in the bottom half of the lineup last season. But the big thing, I think there's a lot of excitement about their freshman, Devin Badenhorst, 6'7", from South Africa. I've heard some very good things, Jay. I'll leave that there. And coaches in the know, I imagine that's probably the kicker because that's the element we don't know. Martin Braysock, by the way, eligible now this season as well. He's a former top 50, at least, ITF-ranked junior Um I think that is the piece, Jay, that perhaps we will see unfold early in the season. Totally could happen. You just rarely see coaches be this generous, right? Like you basically, they look at that and say, fine, prove it. Uh, So it was, you know, Woodson's built up some goodwill. I mean, again. 24 and 25 might be the most fascinating on that list. The two biggest movers, Michigan State 24, Baylor 25. But Arizona, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I would love to see the votes on Stanford because they throw yeah, out sure. your like highest vote and your lowest vote. And I feel like the volatility on that one was pretty high. Arizona 16 also feels a little low. How well they play the Buckeyes in the round of 16, what they bring back. You're shaking your head. I mean, come on. I mean, these aren't like they're just their last year's rankings. They were yeah. 15 last year. Like no one was looking at this being like, yeah, I believe Arizona is the 16th best. It's like you you look at it. Right. You take out the big pieces like a Michigan and their drastic and Georgia. Yeah. The big pieces. You're right. Yeah. You take the big pieces and everyone moves up and you look at it and you okay. go, sounds about right. And you submit. So, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong, but you're not right. Anyways, that's the men's top 25. And I like both lists more broadly. If you were to ask me, I'd give the women's an A minus. I'd give the men a B plus. I think that is fair. The one thing I will say about the women that uh, we glossed over, Texas A&M at two, Mm. Carson Brandstein was submitted in their preseason lineup. Mm. So the way that these are done is that coaches have to submit preseason lineups, who's going to be eligible, all of that. Carson Brandstein on that Texas A&M preseason roster. That is what we call a little scoop there, Jay. You saved that 
that that could have been another roster piece. That's fascinating. Mm. We'll I still feel see. I still feel good about our top four. Like again, that but certainly maybe it becomes a four team inner circle now. Yeah, not saying she's back, right? I mean, she's clearly made her intention known to play pro tennis, but she was submitted. She's not back, but she's not not back. That's a little piece of <laughs> We have a few of those this year, and yeah, I think she falls in that category. I'd love to hear that. Well, again, that is your uh, look at the ITA Top 25 preseason rankings. Last but certainly not least on this news update podcast here on The Deciding Point. Let's talk NCAA, ESPN, DLJ, because obviously something we have both always fought for is to provide a bigger platform for college tennis. We know what this product looks like. We know how captivating it can be. We want others to experience that as well. Well, some great news on that front as the NCAA and ESPN announced Thursday that 40 NCAA championships will be on ESPN networks for the next eight years. There are multiple sports included in that. Women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, all sports obviously that have picked up in popularity of late. You can also include men's and women's tennis on that list. Going to be broadcast on ESPN platforms over the next eight years. I know that was something Chris Young was fighting for anyways. Michael Woodson was fighting for anyways. The ITA was fighting for anyways for these past are for these next two NCAA championships, but now it's a formal agreement between ESPN and the NCAA. And obviously, you know, to have our SEC, ACC red zone broadcasts on Watch ESPN last season, they're going to be there again this year as soon as conference play starts. We're going to add the Big 12 as a new cross-court cast available uh, on ESPN Plus or Watch ESPN, whatever you want to call it, for this regular season now you can add the NCAA championships to that list as well, Jay. And am I going to miss having it on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel? Of course I am. I like to think I'm pretty – I'm feeling good that we're going to be a part of it somehow. We'll leave that there for now. But it's great news, Jay. Yeah, it's really good news. And I think, you know, for those of us that have been following this for a long time, some, you know, longer than, than us as well – You'll recall ESPN has covered college tennis in the past. There were times in the late 2000s that I can recall where team championships were on ESPN and individual championships were on places like ESPNU. And over the last decade, that's really fallen off. And a large part of that is because in the most recent media rights deal, tennis not a part of that package. And so I think it would have been a really dire situation if they announced 39 sports and tennis is not one of them. And to be left out there and to have your place solidified as sort of like a outside looking in just would not have been good for the future of the sport. So to be a part of this package, to be part of your peer group, it's going to be very significant. Now, There's a lot of open questions, right, in terms of what actually does the coverage look like. We have to wait and see. This deal is part uh, begins September 1st of 2024. Now, to your point, it doesn't mean that things before that, like the upcoming NCAA championships, can't be on ESPN. We're just focused on this like new deal that starts on September 1st. So lots more to uncover. But huge kudos to people who were working on getting this included because I know that there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes for this stuff. It's important for our sport to be included with its peer group. And this is a very, very significant step. Absolutely. Very well said. And again, we're going to have more coverage on Watch ESPN all season long. SEC, ACC, Big 12. 
obviously, we know how good the product is. It's the last year with super teams. We just ran you through the depth in the top 25 to be able to feature those uh, on that pl- uh, feature these sorts of caliber of teams and and seeing how the talent seems to only get better every season to have that on ESPN moving forward to be able to feature our national championships uh, on that platform. Huge, huge victory for the sport. Something, again, you're right. We need to learn the details of what that coverage looks like, and I'm sure we will continue to discuss that over the course of the subsequent months. That said, Jay, any other news updates? Obviously, we've got Team number one, our UNC breakdown coming up next week. We've still got two teams to unveil on the men's side, but we've got college tennis literally next week. I'm excited, my friend. How are you feeling as we wrap this show? Yeah, like I said, with the rankings, it really felt real with the turn of the calendar. Absolutely. So matches kicking off soon. I'm going to be in person at matches soon like i'm leaving for austin in less than two weeks like it's happening it's exciting it's a great time of the year i love to hear that and i'm looking forward to watching your journeys as again you become our beat reporter here uh on the deciding point moving forward and again we've got plenty of announcements in terms of what our coverage is going to look like stick around and continue to tune in for those updates as they progress obviously once the regular season starts, we'll be back on our deciding point grind on YouTube. So be on the lookout. Yeah, for I was going to say before. you should let me know as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're, we're going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I will, Jay. That's my promise as well. But again, a thank you to you for joining me for this bonus news update pod. I thank you as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With that said, signing off for now. For the fantastic John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.